Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Their Thoughts. I'm Sahar Mansoor and today I have with us Amita Deshpande, the co-founder of Arohana Eco Social Development. So today Amita is going to share with us how she takes plastic waste that would otherwise be landfill and make it into amazing high fashion beach bags, wallets and more through her enterprise. Well, can you just start off Amita by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am uh, the co-founder of Arohana Eco Social Developments. That's uh, the social enterprise we're going to talk more about uh, later. But uh, just to give you a quick background about myself, uh, I got into the sector of sustainability. I think about uh, when, uh, like. I, I got the awareness, I would say, when I was a little child, I, when I was in the school. And the first time I did a seminar in uh, in my eighth standard, I think, was on solid-based management. And since then, I've been thinking uh, as to why people are still using uh, disposables when it is not when it is not degradable. You know, those are the kinds of questions that started coming to my mind. And it just grew on and on and on as uh, I grew older. Uh, but still, uh, I went on to do my regular career. I was an IT engineer for the first few years of my career profession. And then I just grew upon me that I need to get into the sector which I really, really care and really love for. And that's when in 2009, I decided to quit uh, my IT job. I went um, to the US to do my masters, which was uh, partly in sustainability and then in management. And uh, that's when I actually formally went into the this field um, to to actually take it forward from there. <laughs> so the first uh, few years I, I did my masters, then I worked there for a few years. And then obviously, India is uh, where I wanted to work. And I planned uh, to come back. And 2013 is when I got back. Uh, to join my uh, business partner, Nandan Bhatt, uh, who's also an old friend of mine uh, from really long time ago. And uh, we both started this company, Arohana. And um, I'll tell you more about that when we come to that question. Great. Thank you so much for sharing. I think this is a perfect segue for you to tell us a little bit more about Arohana. Can you tell us a little bit about your social enterprise? Yes, I will, of course. So Arona is, uh, so the, the, the work that we do in Arohana is upcycling of plastic waste. And primarily this waste is uh, your uh, biscuit wrappers and wafer packets and things that are not easily uh, recyclable and are also not degradable. So these, like I said, uh, wafer packets, uh, biscuit wrappers, all kinds of packaging Plus, we also use a lot of carry bags, which are ideally banned from the markets, but they are still available. And uh, recently, we've also started using cassette tapes, all the old audio and video cassette tapes. We got, got hold of a lot of them because all of them were on their way to the landfills because, again, nothing happens to them. Nothing can be done. No recycling can be done. So we got hold of them as well, and then we started upcycling those. Um, we also upcycle gift wrappers. So the glittery wrapping, we call it wrapping paper, but it's not paper, it's plastic. So we use all these materials. And the interesting part is that we don't use a conventional recycling method. What we do is we uh, use traditional charkha and hand looms to actually weave these plastic pieces together. And in the process of uh, creating craft from the waste, we are also creating employment and uh, 
the primary reason we started this was also that we wanted to create rural employment. So our workshops are located uh, in a tribal village uh, in uh, Dadra and Nagar Haveli, which is on the border of Gujarat and Maharashtra. That's where our first workshop is. And we are employing tribal women and youth from that village to do the weaving jobs. And uh, and these are full-time jobs. Uh, we don't uh, pay them just on a per-piece basis, but we actually give them a full-time employment through our work. So once these fabrics are ready, we take them to our uh, workshop in Pune, in the city of Pune, the design and manufacturing setup, where we make different kinds of beautiful products from this plastic waste. So the products are unbelievable. You must really go and check out the products that we have online. So it will, you know, you'll yourself will be totally surprised. So that was my journey from being, uh, you know, a student thinking about solid waste and what should be done with it to an IT engineer. <laughs> and now really getting into the craft and design field working with waste. So it's, it's been a very interesting journey for me and Nandan because both of us have been uh, working for uh, getting Arona to where it is right now in the past five years. I think it's just so phenomenal how you take multi-layered plastic, something that is so, so difficult to upcycle, recycle and convert into something so amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you incorporate circularity into your design process? Sure, sure. So yeah, you, I'm I'm glad you brought about this uh, this topic uh, because circular economy is where we all want to go to, right? Um, so what what we do is like at the center of everything right now, I see the consumer, okay? Because we the consumer consume plastic, and unfortunately, though we try to avoid so much uh, plastic, uh, it still lands up in our households in form of packaging, right? Even if we avoid using plastic bags. Now, whatever uh, plastic remains, uh, we uh, usually we directly work with waste picker organizations who collect this plastic waste. And then that plastic waste is uh, collected by us directly and then it's taken to our workshop to upcycle it. At the end of the life cycle of that plastic, it is again going back to the consumer who would uh, then eventually want to use upcycled products, right? So that's how we, I, I call it, you know, completing the cycle because somebody who's creating the waste is eventually coming back and buying that waste. Um, secondly, uh, if I want to go a little bit more in detail about how we source these raw materials, so it's not directly from um, households that we collect it. That is, there's one big reason for that. Now, if I come to collect directly from your household, your, uh, you know, you, you, you will sort of get a little complacent that somebody is there to collect my waste so I can create more waste. So we don't want that kind of habit to come into people in their minds that there's somebody who's, you know, there to collect my waste. Hence, we directly work with waste pickers. Now, waste pickers are anyways doing their job very well. They're coming to every household and collecting all this waste. And they earn a little bit of livelihood when we purchase this plastic from them. And uh, there are waste picker organizations like in Pune, we have Swatch and Purnam. Um, then there are a few waste picker organizations in the city that we, the, the village where we work close to that, there's a city over there, we collect them that from there. We would love to do something similar in Bangalore too. Um, we've had some discussions with Sahas also. So let's see how this goes. We want to do this as much as possible. That's so great to hear that you actually source from waste pickers, waste collectors, swatch workers, 
for Diwali at the forefront of waste collection. And eventually there's one more angle to this that's opening up is that the industries are getting a little aware about the waste that they generate. And uh, especially with the law uh, called Extended Producer Responsibility, EPR, that has come into picture in 2016, a lot of corporates are looking at their post-consumer waste and where it's going and how it's being disposed. So that could open up a potential a little collaboration between us and corporates to see how um, you know more waste can be upcycled and possibly uh, you know they could also purchase it back from us as gifting products uh, made of their own branded waste. So those are certain things that we are looking at. Again, that's another circular, uh, bigger, rather larger circle that we are trying to complete, <laughs> coming back to the manufacturer and not just the consumer. Just out of curiosity, have you seen interest from corporates in this area of extended producer responsibility? Yes, there are companies who are interested. Uh, there, there are some companies who have actually given us some corporate orders in the past where we have uh, upcycled their waste and created gift uh, items for them, which they eventually gifted to their customers and employees. So that those were certain interesting projects we did in the in the recent past. That's really encouraging to hear. <laughs> it is, yeah. Of course, we want everybody to go to a certain uh, stage where uh, this kind of plastic waste is not created only. So we definitely want the refuse, reduce, reuse. Uh, to be uh, prevalent than recycling. Uh, but let's see, recycling seems to be easier than refuse, reduce, reuse yeah. <laughs> at present. But let's let's try to generate awareness on the first three hours more than the last hour. I really appreciate that even though you are using upcycled waste, I love that you really advocate for refusing and reusing in the first place. Totally, totally. Because that's what we want to do. So we are not in this space to recycle, you know, if we were a recycling organization, then we would have recycled, uh, or we would have gotten to, you know, mechanized recycling or chemical recycling, which recycles more plastic. But we've kept ourselves limited to handicraft and handmade recycling or upcycling, because this is just a media to uh, make people aware. Our products are not the solution or our process is not the solution. The solution is people should understand that refuse, reduce, reuse is the way forward. Recycling, upcycling comes at the end. Now, speaking of handcrafted, can you tell us a little bit about the handmade and handcrafted element that is embodied in all of the Aruhana bags and how they are handwoven? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So uh, I'm sure everybody knows how handloom saris are made, right? So that is an handloom shawl. So these are uh, traditional crafts that uh, our country has been really, uh, you know, into for hundreds of years. And many uh, people, unfortunately, had to leave this craft uh, because of the demand and the supply, the economics that really made that happen, especially after the Industrial Revolution when everything became industrialized and fabric making became industrialized. So a lot of people actually lost their jobs. Uh, but still, you know, it's very interesting to know that a craft is the second largest employer after agriculture in our country. 
so to give that craft a boost is extremely important and what we are trying to do is uh, not necessarily uh, go to people who are already practicing craft but we are doing this in uh, places where craft has been forgotten so the tribal village where we work these are originally varli tribals you know but uh, they don't want to go back to their varli art because obviously you know there's some kind of stigma attached to it that our ancestors did that we don't want to do it and the youngsters wanted to do something new and when we went to them uh, you know showing them that weaving is a possibility they were really excited so we found this very interesting how the younger generation was happy adopting something else another craft and not adopting their own craft which is a little you know an interesting psychological uh, process going on over there so what we did was we um, collected a bunch of women and youth from that village and we taught them hand loom weaving and then um, we introduced them to waste plastic now waste plastic uh, comes in various forms and various uh, sizes shapes it's torn and tattered also sometimes so what we do is we uh, have to manually do everything we can't mechanize any single step in that so the first step that happens is washing of all this plastic though we ensure that the plastic that comes to us is already segregated at source and we don't collect waste uh, which goes into the landfill so that's it's not soiled and it's not contaminated but even if after that it comes to us we do a washing process we use uh, biodegradable cleaners to make this uh, process of washing and then we sanitize all this plastic waste and then manually just using a pair of scissors we cut each and every wrapper okay then uh, traditionally how yarn used to be made using a charkha right so we use that traditional charkha to make a yarn like uh, structure from the waste plastic and then that is used directly on hand looms to weave the fabric and the if if you are aware of the hand loom uh, or of the textile terms warp and weft so our plastic the wrappers and the plastic bags are uh, the weft in our process and the warp that we use is made from recycled pet bottles all the biscuitry and coke bottles uh, those are the pet bottles so we use them to uh, as warp so that's how our fabric is created you know bunch of us at office actually have your bags but kind of hearing the design process and all of the handcrafted elements that go behind it makes me appreciate it so much more than i already did yeah and once you know this is very interesting because the fabric that we create we are trying to create in the sizes that is needed to for the bag to be made so we try to avoid wastage as much as possible uh, hence we create a fabric so for example our beach bag we know the standard size of the fabric that is required so we weave that size of fabric and then from that we make that specific bag so that becomes a uh, in in a way it's difficult because the weaving process is makes it a little lengthier but when we stitch it it ensures that we are not creating new waste because textile waste in itself is another big problem so we are trying to avoid that by standardizing our sizes of fabrics and then in the pune unit uh, where we have our designing and manufacturing going on that's where all the products are created and uh, we have professional tailors in our pune unit who um, make really good quality products so that's 
that's and we in the, in this whole process we are also trying to use uh, as much handicraft as possible in other forms so for example some of our uh, products use uh, block print or hand dyed uh, fabric again hand loom fabric wherever possible we are trying to use and other than uh, our fabric everything else that we use is either uh, natural that is cotton or jute or uh, it is recycled so in some of our products we are also using waste flex banners you know those large hoardings that we see everywhere nice. so we try to use those we try to use we use cotton belts uh, in some places we've tried to use upcycled denim belts so we're trying to do you know creative things with other kinds of waste also as much as possible that's interesting that you're actually diversifying other material like flex and denim Yes, but we are not keeping that as a focus. Our focus is still plastic waste because that's the major, major problem right now. For the other kinds of waste, it's still uh, manageable. It's still reusable or recyclable. But uh, the wrappers and multi-layered packaging, as you rightly said, is a big nuisance. So, Amita, can you tell us a little bit about the design process at the Pune uh, lab once the fabric is woven and hand-spun and then comes to the Pune setup? do you basically then decide that this should become a beach bag or this should become a wallet can you tell us a little bit about what happens really at that pune workshop yeah so we've sort of standardized the fabric sizes so once they come to the pune office they come in those standard sizes and we sort of know that with that size of fabric what kind of bags and what kind of products are made and the pune office is actually it's again it's not a very fancy design studio as we really wanted to be yet but uh, we have a we typically have interns working with us for designing and uh, once in Three four months, we have a bunch of designers or a couple of designers who make the uh, design, and then that is our uh, production team continues to make that, and then we have a sales and marketing team who are a really passionate bunch of individuals. Uh, you know, you've spoken to Shivalika, we have Sukanya, Nyanada, and uh, Nikhil. Uh, these are our uh, teammates, and Zai. They are really really passionate individuals. Some of them have been our customers. before and now they've joined our team <laughs> so you know i would really not call them employees they are just uh, you know our team of passionate uh, eco eco sensitive people amita can you tell me a little bit about your team so i'm guessing when you started in 2015 it was just you and your co-founder um you know how have you evolved over the days and kind of how how have you grown can you share a little bit about that so nandan uh, and i started this uh, entity in 2015 um that's when we uh, this like initially we decided to outsource everything so we had outsourced our weaving process and as well as our tailoring process because we weren't sure how it's going to take off it was a lot of r&d that was needed at that point in time so we spent a lot of time doing research and development and i think we still were making products and testing out the market in parallel so we started uh, exhibitions uh, we started participating in exhibitions especially in pune so for the first few months and uh, testing out the market its rates and everything and then we uh, started going to mumbai and bangalore and uh, other cities and of course other countries also now have start we have our partners as well as exhibitions going on in other countries also and in terms of the team um, i think initially like i said we were outsourcing 
but uh, in about five to six months time we realized that this has to be done hands-on and it has to be done in-house and that's when we started off uh, started hiring people uh, first initially we started hiring only artisans and uh, Nandan and I were doing all the running around of uh, doing administration and marketing and everything else. Um, but the artisans, uh, one, uh, one of our oldest employees, uh, Sheikh Bhai, he's still with us and he was our first tailor. And the weaving unit was also started in the little village in Silvasa. I am originally coming from Silvasa, so I have family there. And we had this little village whom people from where we knew already. And they were also very excited to start. Um, so we had a really uh, passionate uh, person who was a supervisor who initially came in and uh, helped us start the unit. And uh, all the local uh, tribal youths, you know, they were really interested and they started working with us. They learned the process. So initially we were only three in the village that that was in 2016 and uh, three people in the Pune city workshop. And now we have uh, 15 uh, people in the village and uh, 14 people in Pune. So we are 29 of us right now. And the team is growing as in even during the lockdown, we hired one person. So <laughs> we are we are really wanting to keep this going. We don't want to lose on uh, upcycling of waste because waste is still getting created. So during the lockdown also, we tried to work as much as possible from home. Even our tribal people, um, our villagers, they were working from home. They were cutting plastic and keeping, doing some of the steps which they could at home. They were continuing to do that. So we were also so ex happy that they were supporting us. And we didn't cut down their salaries at all. We kept keep on paying them. We are still paying them. Uh, so, but the sales are down, right? So we had to come up with some interesting uh, ideas to keep our our income going as much as possible. And the supporters of ours, who are specifically all our customers, have come to rescue us with rescue us at this time, which was really, really grateful. I'm really grateful to them. Yeah, definitely. Having a small enterprise myself, I totally echo all of your sentiments. Uh, another question I had for you is during these difficult times of COVID-19, what are some of the coping mechanisms that as an enterprise you have incorporated? Yeah, yeah. So actually what, like I said, you know, the team cooperated. Uh, hence, it was easier for us to be. It is still uh, a problem here in Pune because we are in a hotspot uh, situation. But in the village, uh, the lockdown has uh, sort of relaxed a little bit. So we have kept the workshop partly open and partly people are working from home still. So that was one way in which we continued. Uh, secondly, from this, uh, from sales or income re revenue generation point of view, we launched some gift vouchers. So a lot of our existing customers really showed us their support and purchased these gift vouchers because of which our uh, salaries of our may will be you know given otherwise it was really getting difficult for us to gather the required money for that because being a small enterprise we are hand to mouth so we don't have a lot of savings and especially because it was the end of the year it was even more difficult um, because we had to pay taxes and everything else but our team is really passionate. Our sales and marketing team is also very passionate. They are still working from home for us. 
um they themselves a few of them offered to take a full salary cut uh, so that uh, the tribal uh, and the poor people would be uh, we could give salaries to them that wasn't needed this month uh, but i hope that's not needed again as well because we want to keep salaries of everybody going yeah truly now more than ever before we've kind of seen the power of our teams to come together and collaborate and make it through anything so honestly a big shout out to our team true true all of us you know we are really a passionate bunch of people i'm so glad that even during this very very difficult situation all of us are standing together and helping each other out amita i wanted to ask you what are some of the challenges you faced in keeping your environmental social and economic objectives all alive at once yeah yeah that's a very very important question so uh see e- economically every organization tries to do well right but here in our case we also want to do something that is environmentally and socially conscious now for that the challenges are many many <laughs> i don't know how to you know list them here uh, but a few of the very uh, like you know prominent ones is um, the collection of waste it is a very very difficult process and especially because pe- very few people segregate at source people really uh, need to segregate at least their wet waste and compost it and keep the dry waste separate only then can it come to us for upcycling if we if we were looking at only at economic uh, you know gains of that we would have gone into typical recycling like i earlier said but in this case because we are doing upcycling we are working with hands we don't want the waste to be contaminated and we are going to make some products which everybody is going to use so that waste need not, should not be co- contaminated so that's the primary the challenge that we have is segregation of waste collection of waste and then it reaching us in the right state um secondly again because we want to work for the social um, sector and we wanted to work for the rural livelihoods because urban livelihoods are already being taken care of to a large extent um but the problem of migration still still stands and we've you know the biggest example that we've seen was right now during the covid situation when these migrant laborers wanted to go back home but they didn't have a way to go back home and some some villages also had shut down their doors for these migrants you know they don't want they didn't want them to come back because they were scared that these people are infected now what happens in such a situation is that these people if they were in their hometowns and they were working over there on some or the other livelihood they wouldn't have to leave their homes they would have still stayed safe villages are the safest right now they would have been safe so that's what we've been working on for the past 5 years is that we were trying to create livelihoods in their villages though it is very difficult for us to manage economically it uh, you know it erodes our profits but we still want to do that we still want to work in the villages as much as possible and uh, you know that's a, a challenge again to balance the social and economic situation and overall our profit margins are low uh it is specifically because we are trying to do uh, the other two parts as well so it becomes uh, difficult for us to give uh, you know <laughs> people give discounts and promotion offers we can't do that 
because our margins itself are low and sometimes the prices uh, have to kept be kept high of certain products but i think uh, our supporters are already very supportive of it and they understand the, the effort that is going behind each and every product so we we want you know that is one way for us to keep us keep it going is to have more and more people appreciate and understand the work and pay for the craft and not for the product itself because the, we are definitely giving the quality and the design as it is for many of our comp- competitors like i jokingly always say this that we are trying to compete with louis vuitton <laughs> but of course that is uh, that's that is a joke but we, we obviously we're not going to price our products so high but it's you know it's an alternative people should actually purchase us as an alternative to a laptop bag or a tote bag that they would otherwise purchase from the market yeah i totally agree i think your customers are investing in the craft they're investing in a cleaner planet they're investing in the you know social values that you embody and you are a customer so you definitely should give us a testimonial <laughs> so what is that one piece of advice amita that you would give to aspiring eco entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who want to get into this space sure sure yes i i think the most important is persistence because we and in entrepreneurs anyways have to be persistent but especially the eco and the eco social entrepreneurs that we that like us the most important thing is that we have to be persistent because persistent is because we do face a lot of challenges and all these challenges are actually challenging our ethics and the whole point for which we started this so we should not let that go um we should not <laughs> we should not bend <laughs> we should keep our persistence and it it happens it it opens up even if it's a little late it opens up and nowadays there are lots of supporters who are supporting entrepreneurs like us there are financial supports there's um, resource support so we should really uh, be consistent and keep going so amita before i let you go one last question what is that one piece of advice you'd like to give people to live more mindfully Mhm. Yeah. So see, first of all, like I said the four Rs are what I always always focus on. Uh refuse anything that you don't need, let's not buy it or let's not have it. Okay? Even if it is like it, it's a material thing or an or a you know, a virtual thing, I would I would say, but let's avoid let's refuse first. Secondly, reuse whatever we have uh, already so that more resources are not extracted from the planet. Third is reduce our consumption uh, in general. And then look at recycling and uh, upcycling our whatever we generate. okay and in on top of all this is that whenever we are going to buy also when we are going to shop for anything be it our grocery or vegetables or you know products like luxury products etc always look at the story behind it that story should be you know it 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 should really be a strong story environmentally and socially let's not look at environment and society separately we should look them together that's why we call ourselves eco social i think the choices that we as consumers make 
is what is going to drive the world if we make sustainable choices that's how the world is going to be if we make unsustainable choices we are looking at the repercussions today as well so we really need to be um, aware so remember the four hours and the alternatives when you go shopping always look at alternatives sustainable alternatives and i i think and now of course bear necessities is giving us a lot of uh, opportunity there to shop sustainably <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Amita for joining us today. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing your journey and how Arana is balancing all of the environmental, social and economic objectives. Thank you so much for taking time off and sharing your journey with us.